0: everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Starting a Counseling Private Practice Success Stories. Today I'm joined with Ariana Lloyd and LCSW, who is going to share her story of building her practice in the midst of some not so easy things. So if you've ever felt like you're struggling or you're not sure if it's r- the right time to launch your practice. Or you're going through things and you're thinking about closing the doors, you've got to listen to this. So let's get started. Hey, Ariana, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I am curious to hear your story and your take on how you handle life's curveballs and what it means for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Why don't you start sharing about how and when you started your private practice?
1: Um, Well, I started it, uh, I started preparing for it in 2015. Mm -hmm. And I decided I wanted to do a private practice that was all clinical supervision. And um, then in 2017, I started seeing clients. And then 2018, I started a divorce. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for anyone who goes through a divorce, you know that it's the years leading up to it, that the marriage is falling apart. Mm -hmm. So the marriage had been falling apart for a few years before the divorce started to happen. And then that's when my practice really started to build was during the years of like the official divorce.
0: Mm. (laughs)
1: So that's kind of in a nutshell, like how it first started
0: mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot more detail there, but that's kind of the
0: basics of it. Why did you go into private practice?
1: Um, well, I was working at the VA hospital and I had been there since 2009. Um, and I really struggled to work for someone else. I just didn't feel happy <laughs> working for someone else. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had multiple business ideas because part of me was getting burnt out. And so one of my business ideas was like importing vintage linens from Europe, which I still hope to do someday. I That's still have awesome. like this idea. Yeah. Um, I think I had a jewelry shop at one point. Mm-hmm. I was making like hand and wire jewelry, bead and wire jewelry. So I had had like multiple business ideas because I just felt desperate to do something separate mm-hmm. and then I came up with the clinical supervision practice idea of like okay I can do groups I can see less people but work or I can see more people but work less hours mm-hmm. I felt pretty passionate about clinical supervision as like something that can be improved on especially for social workers
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so that's why I was like this seems like a really good route for me
0: hmm What were the areas that you saw needed improvement?
1: I mean, most social workers in their grad programs and, you know, I went to school 2008 to 10. So this was a long time ago, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a ton of clinical skill development. And so you miss that. And then you get a lot of clinical skill development on the job Mm -hmm. which is a hard way to learn. I mean, you're always learning on the job anyway, but it's hard to learn the foundation that way. Um, and I got really good clinical supervision that was very supportive, but it wasn't like scaffolding supervision. And that's mm-hmm. what I was craving and wishing I had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I was like, oh, that's what I want to bring to my field is like the scaffolding technical skill development. Mm-hmm. Kind of supervision.
0: I think that for anyone that's listening, when you're developing your business ideas, just even like hearing you talk just a little bit about it, like you can tell the passion and the kind of the fire about, Hey, this is not okay. We need to make it different. It's legacy work in a sense of like, I want to be part of a paradigm shift. You know, I want to do something that's a little bit more out of the box. Mm -hmm. Do you think at all at that time there was an unconscious awareness of like the marriage falling apart and that was also part of what was getting you to start or were you just not aware of that
1: when you started? I, mean, I was very conscious the marriage was falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but your question is, was it, was I aware that like I was, it was falling apart and I was
0: intentionally building something new? Yes. At that time, like that there, there's a connection there.
1: I don't think I realized it until, uh, a few years ago I gave a talk mm-hmm. to like, business mentors you know score through the small business yes. administration and it was in that talk that I was like oh I realized like my house was being demolished and I was building a new yes. house yeah I didn't I didn't realize it at the time sure um, but I'm really really grateful that it happened that way because if I'm sure I would have channeled that need for something new and like healthy and beautiful somewhere mm-hmm. but For me, I channeled it into private practice, and that's like such a great job to have as a private practice owner. Mm -hmm.
0: What was it like going through divorce and being in your practice?
1: Um, I was thinking about this a lot in preparation for today. It was very painful going through a divorce. There were, it was a messy divorce. It wasn't like a one where we were both on the same page. And there were safety concerns and mm-hmm. there was just a lot to work through. So it was really, really hard on my mental health
0: mm-hmm. and
1: hard on my sense of self and hard on like my sense of the world being a safe place or a welcoming place or a place where good things happened. Mm-hmm. So it really affected like my emotional stability and my ability to think clearly. Mm-hmm. And doing all of these like really concrete tasks, for building a practice was like really, really restorative for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a part of me that was like, am I a good person still? Am I a worthy person? Like it really, really gets deep down to like some of your core beliefs going through something hard like that. But then I would like build a website saying I can help you. And it was really healing to be like, oh, there's tangible things that I can do that address these like deeper painful things that I'm grappling with
0: Mm -hmm.
1: finding that happening over and over and over Mm. like you know building like a clinical supervision group to support myself and my clinical needs Mm -hmm. or just even like simply registering the business it would just be like really tangible reminders of like hey you can still make good things happen you can be safe you can connect with other people Mm -hmm. you can be trustworthy like all of these really tangible reminders of like things are still okay, or things will be okay.
0: So the business kind of became became the playground for recreating safety, when Mm -hmm. everywhere else, you didn't feel that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Without realizing it. like, I didn't realize, okay, if I like, go do a photo shoot, so that I have, like, you know, decent photos for my website. I'm going to restore like a part of myself that got lost in the divorce. I wasn't it wasn't conscious, but it was really, um, clear that that ended up like healing me over time.
0: We see a lot of people come through business school who are building their practices so that they can leave relationships. But then what happens is, is that then they build the practice then they're able to leave, but then the stress of the divorce and the separation kind of puts things on hold did you feel like you were it sounds like you're getting stuff done but is do you feel like there was at all kind of like a an impact in what you were able to get done in terms of you know just those tasks while they create safety the pacing may be different or the quality different yeah
1: I took a long time to build my practice like Mm -hmm. I didn't, um, you know, a lot of people build the practice and then are doing it within six months or a year or something, Mm -hmm. or maybe even shorter, but I slowly built mine. Mm -hmm. I was like slowly coming off of working at the VA Mm
0: -hmm. and,
1: you know, transitioning incomes. Um, so I probably took, you know, three to four years. And I think that's why, like, I think I needed to go slow Mm -hmm. to like, be able to like handle it's overwhelming starting a business like there's no way around it so in in order to handle like the overwhelm of that plus like divorce is very overwhelming I have children so figuring out Mm -hmm. like their health and their transition Mm -hmm. like multiple big things at once so Mm -hmm. I had slow in order to manage it and and I had to get a lot of support so it's nice people are in your business school because like I don't, first of all, I don't think anyone should start a business by themselves just because it's so isolating. And and I think we just build something better if we're building it in community.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I, I also got a lot of support during that time. And I think that helped me to like stay afloat. If I had just been doing it by myself, I would have not done it at all. I would have
0: stopped. Hmm. Who would you say were some of the key people in your community to help you in the business area? Was it coaching? Was it just colleagues? Was it consultation?
1: Um, I got a, I got a mentor through SCORE, mm-hmm. and I meet with him every month. That's awesome. He was the one that was like, <clears throat> don't do the European linen <laughs> uh-huh. business. Do the clinical supervision one. It's going to be a little bit easier for you. Um, So I meet with him once a month. I started like a a little mastermind group with my friends, Nigel and Natalia, who are in completely different industries. Mm -hmm. I could get their feedback. Um, I started, uh, I asked like a really well-known clinical supervisor in the Portland area to supervise me and a group of other supervisors.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that was really helpful to be like, yeah, I, I have the skills needed to do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the main things, and then of course, um, really good. Uh, I have I have there's I have nine siblings and my parents,
0: so mm-hmm. I like a
1: family that was very supportive as well.
0: How did it feel to honor your pace in an oppressive hustle culture? I think that there's like it's competing. Right. This like, oh, I took my time, but yet that's it's one thing to take your time in a culture that (laughs) allows for that and supports that. And it's another to do it within a context that's not very kind about those things. In my opinion, I don't see it being easy to do.
1: That's a good question. You know, I don't know if I was able to honor my pace, but I had people reflecting back to me. Mm. I always felt I'm not getting things done. I think that's how the culture affected me. That's was the internalized
0: the, depression. Yeah.
1: So I don't know if I honored it that much, but I had other people that were looking mm-hmm. back saying, you're doing a good job. You're getting enough done. Like your pace is just right. Don't forget. Like you're still like single mothering while you're doing all of this. Yeah. Um. So I think because I had other people reflecting it back to me, then I could, continue at the pace that felt like, um, sustainable.
0: I think that's a beautiful reminder for people listening of surrounding yourself with people that will hold and honor what you need, even if you can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of building a business.
0: Mm -hmm. So how long was the divorce process and how did, how can you describe the process of coming out of it?
1: Um, the divorce process was a year and four months, mm-hmm. pretty long. And then coming out of it, you mean like, what was it like to like,
0: yeah. how did you start to transition from this when you're mired in all the things evolved? and yeah. it starts to resolve?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. How did I come out of it? I haven't thought about it that much. It just, things just started to get lighter. Mm-hmm. and not so heavy and my business also like by that time my business you know once you set up your business well then it just runs itself mm-hmm. my business started to get lighter and mm-hmm. I started to find like other creative projects that that's when I ended up working with Annie Schussler on my other business
0: we love Annie <laughs> shout out yeah. to Annie travel yeah. therapist yeah
1: yeah that's when I was like okay now I'm ready for another big project mm-hmm. I think that's when I could tell things had calmed down enough
0: Creativity reignited. Yeah, exactly. Then mm. I was like, oh, I can take on more now. Whereas before, I would, I was, you know, too overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So, what came out of your creativity?
1: Um, I built a second business called Lloyd Collective, and I help, uh, I help people start their private practice in eight weeks. And the goal is that they're doing it in community, in a cohort, and they're having, they're utilizing really solid
0: anti-oppressive values. Um, Can we talk about that? What that really means? Because I don't think people always understand.
1: Yeah, what the anti-oppressive values part means. I mean, it means, it means something different to everyone. I think that's why people don't always understand. But like, it could mean that you're building like a private practice that has a mutual aid fund attached to it. And so you're serving the community by Um, redistributing funds. It could be that you're taking a portion of what your private practice earns and redistributing it to communities that have experienced marginalization. It could just be that you're intentionally like decolonizing the therapy that you do. And so you're not just doing therapy that's come from white, cisgender, straight men. Yeah. Um it could, it could look like a lot of different things. It could be that you're like, you know what, transparency is going to be my main value. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna build a business that's super transparent. I'm gonna put my prices on my website, my informed consent there. I'm gonna have really clear talks about my policies. Mm-hmm. So I think it it comes anti-oppressive especially just means like, hey, i'm I'm aware of systems of oppression
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how people are impacted by it and they're they're disparately impacted by it. I don't know if that's the right word that I mean.
0: I know but what you mean. <laughs> disproportionately, impacted <laughs> <by it. laughs>
1: disproportionately impacted by it and I'm going to intentionally do something to address that whether that's on an individual level in the therapy sessions
0: right
1: or in like how my business is developed.
0: Yes. We talk about it from the perspective of like from your like your informed consent to accessibility on your website to the language you use and not code switching and I mean, there's so many areas in which there's room for us to liberate ourselves from practices that are often seen as like, this is just what we do, but are also very harmful to the people we're serving and also to ourselves and to this field. Um, and that's why I love so much that you are very intentional about that in your work. Um, and having two businesses, right? So having this like the supervision practice and then getting creative and doing more of the consultation and, and helping therapists, what is the big lesson you want people to learn from your story?
1: That's a good question. I wish I thought of that
0: <laughs> Sometimes questions come up without preparation. And so yeah, There's no great. need to be prepared to speak. What do I wish people
1: knew or like the takeaway that they would get from hearing my story? I think that, um, you can be in a really painful place and still start a business. That's one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can heal from the process of developing a business. Mm-hmm. That's two. Um, and that you can build a business that really examines current structures and, and does things differently mm-hmm. and does things in a way that feels more attuned
0: to your values or like more in line with your values. So I mean, you are- even did that with your niche, just with your first practice. It's kind of when people think, oh, I go into private practice. They think it's this one-on-one and like brick and mortar. Now we think virtual, but it's like this traditional standard kind of view of what private practice looks like. Mm-hmm. There are many ways to do practice. And even from the start, you were thinking of what's different and where do I find my passion that's going to do, do something different for this field um, yeah. and the people in it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think more and more none of us are immune, by the way. I know everyone thinks us therapists are so got it together in relationships or whatever. We're all human and we're all going to go through stuff. We are not immune because we went to some school. In fact, we're probably more susceptible to things. Just, um, And I think it's important for anyone listening to remember that it actually whatever you're going through, I know it sounds so trite, but it does make you better and stronger. You take that experience, you know, I imagine too, Ariana, like in a relationship that wasn't healthy in that way, that's a new experience of being oppressed and being suppressed, you know, of like, and then having that experience gives you an even deeper empathy. Yeah. Um, uh to make your program even more rich, right? Like it all gives back to itself. It's this beautiful circle of the pain um, actually being something that nourishes the soil in which we grow things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, a lot of that can happen if we're talking to other people about what's going on. Cause I would hate, <clears throat> I would hate for someone listening to be like, oh, I'm really struggling. Why am I not channeling it into something really productive or,
0: oh.
1: or creative? But I think if you're talking to someone about what you're struggling with, mm-hmm. and I'm biased because I'm a therapist, but like, <laughs> you know, if you're talking to people about it and talking to them about your business ideas, yeah. your business, that that is a big piece of what then transforms like the pain and the difficulty into something else
0: and it's all in timing. I think like you didn't launch this other thing until after there was healing done. Right. Like sometimes we're too in it and too close to it and it's not the right time. So Mm. this whole, like, why not me? It's just sort of just not right now. It's okay. (laughs) We have time. That's what I like to tell my clients a lot. Like it's this juxtaposition, right. Of like, live like it's your last day, but also no, like, you have time, savor, heal, like live life. Don't just try to dump it all in and cram it all in because you need it right now. It actually a well-regulated nervous system is a foundation to building a solid practice. It's important to take care of yourself.
1: Yeah. I think that's a nice way to look at it. And and it might just be that you can work on your practice when you feel regulated Yeah working on your practice makes you feel regulated, right? And there's, you know, it's kind of like an ocean wave that comes up and down. So like, it may not be, you can always be working on it. And that's, yeah. Okay.
0: So if people want to learn more about Lloyd Collective, where can they check that out?
1: Um, they can go to Lloydcollective.com and mm-hmm. I have like, I have a business type quiz. So if they're thinking about starting a private practice, they can figure out what their business personality type is. Awesome. Um, and then they can follow me on Instagram. And soon I'll have a podcast. Yay! Radical practice that people can listen to as
0: well. Ariana, thank you for sharing your story today.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for listening.
0: And for those of you who have been here with this us this entire time, I want to thank you for just taking time out of your day to consider different options and stepping into your own power and creativity through whatever. You face in your life and there's a new day tomorrow and surround yourself with people who can hold you and reflect back to you the goodness within you while you go through this process of building a private practice we don't do it alone so we'll see you guys next time i hope you loved today's episode if you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours low pay and constantly battling burnout Don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.